And we're back. This is episode nine, part two of the top covers of the golden, silver, bronze, and modern age. Now, we finished the last episode with Rohan finishing his uh, silver age covers. Uh, I gave my golden age, as did he. So we're going to go ahead and start with my silver age uh, books, top uh, silver age covers. And real quick, JP, just so uh, everyone that is aware, silver age is, you know, essentially the 60s up until like, I think, 1972, I want to say, but yeah, early 70s. 1956 through 1970 uh, is what, but again, the book I'm going to put up here on the stream, this is showcase number four. This is what they say, they, whoever they is, says started the Silver Age. Not sure yeah. why that is, uh, but this was the first, the new Flash, um, took over the new Flash of the Silver Age. So this is where most experts would say the Silver Age uh, began with this book. Uh, yeah. Classic cover. I mean, a lot of showcase books had first appearances, uh, Green Lantern, The Flash, uh, they even had episodes or issues where they brought back uh, Golden Age characters in the Silver Age. So it's kind of, you know, this flash is ripping through the page, uh, just iconic in regard to a cover, um, just a cool looking book and a start to the Silver Age. Yeah. And I think a couple of notes on this book that I often think is like, it is, I think, one of the rarest Silver Age books. And I've seen it a few times, but it's almost always with a purple label, like in restored in some fashion. Like to see a blue label of this is really rare to find. And I have not seen very many. Um, and also for those that don't know, the flash in the silver age is a new flash different from the flash of the golden age, kind of similar to human torch. All right. Yep. Slightly different. So, all right, let's go with the next book. I think Rohan, you had this in your list. This oh is, yeah, uh, baby, that, this is my number one of the Silver Age. Yeah, this is a, a great cover. Uh, as long as it presents well, I mean, it's it's nice to have it hanging on the wall. It's can you know, I saw one today, a nine zero go for thirty five hundred dollars. Uh, this one, I paid nothing for that just because I wanted the iconic cover. As long as it presents well, it just shows the Silver Surfer as fast as he can going right to to uh, Thor, and Thor's ready to pound him with that hammer. It's just. Uh, it's a great looking book, well drawn, as we said in last episode A, that uh, this is one of the better drawings of Thor. Uh, great cape work. Uh, he's, you know, looks Thor looks pretty cool in this drawing. I think, in my opinion, better than better than some of the Jack Kirby's uh, of previous covers, in my opinion. Yeah, I especially I especially like the um, helmet he has in this one. Yep, and again, these are our opinions. These are not. Uh, these are not the say all be all of comics, but uh, it's our opinions and we're entitled and we're entitled to them, right? Yeah. And again, I like we said before too, my favorite Thor covers are always the ones with the Bifrost. The Bifrost covers, I think, are almost all so cool. I, I think it's cool that they I, I thought Marvel added the multicolor rainbow. I didn't realize it went back that far until I started to, you know, check yeah. these books out. So this was yeah. early, you know, early on last year. So yeah. when I when I noticed that. So all right, next book. Fantastic Four number one. I mean, it's it's got so much going on to it. It's similar to those, you know, uh, Golden Age books where the, the Army books or the World War II books that had all kind of stuff going on in the background. Like if you look back at the at the Silver Surfer book, you know, pretty much simple but great, right? You got two guys going after it. In the background, you see the the city, but it's a fairly simple, well drawn, and iconic cover in that regard. Fantastic Four. There's a lot going on in this picture. You're trying to get all four of the characters in there, plus the background of the people that are screaming because of this 
monstrosity that has uh, engulfed the page. So it's it's iconic in itself um, and introduced us to the, you know, fantastic four. And I think it's just overall just a, a cool cover. Uh, yeah. And that's uh, funny you uh, you put this one. A lot of people, I, I disagree here. A lot of people do not like this cover. I think it's great, but a lot of people do not like this um, What's their reason yeah. for it? Just uh, I think a lot of it's card. like they don't like it and they don't like that the Fantastic Four isn't in uniform and things like that. But I, I, I'm a big fan of it. Um, and just like the Showcase 4 with the Flash, this was the start of Marvel's superhero age in the Silver Age. Yeah, I mean, you can, uh, you know, the, the Flash wasn't, the, the it started off the Silver Age, but I wouldn't say it's the most well-drawn Flash, right? And the uh, amazing Spider-Man number one. He looks all spread out on that glass that, you know, in, the, in his first cover appearance, his first own comic. It's not well drawn, but they're iconic. That's what makes them great, in my yeah. opinion. So, you know, there's a couple other factors that you can make a great cover. Not always the art, but more times than not, as you get to the modern age, I think the art is what takes over from there. Um, these ones are just because you probably had them ingrained in your head so many times. And it's just, you know, the cover so well and it's uh, you know, it's timeless in that regard. Yeah. Um, the next cover, Amazing Fantasy 15, or this is a better drawing of Spider-Man. It's been homaged numerous times. Amazing Spider-Man 252, uh, Amazing Spider-Man, I think it's 365, uh, the 30th anniversary. I mean, it just homaged in many different ways yeah. and many and different the other characters. The, more, the Marvel Zombies is this and lots of them. Yeah, so good cover, well drawn. Um I like the Spider-Man, you know, not as good as McFarlane, but I think there was a, a time when Spider-Man was the fat Spider-Man. Remember in the Craven, the first appearance of Craven on the cover? Kind of drew well, a little so, chunky. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Do you know, so this is a Jack Kirby cover, right? I don't, this the, the is? Creation of, yeah, the creation of Spider-Man is always referenced with Steve Ditko. Right. So Steve Ditko is the guy that helped create Spider-Man with Stan Lee, yes. But his original cover for Amazing Fantasy 15, Stan Lee didn't like. So he had Jack Kirby draw this. <laughs> um, and I can't remember what it is, but they use the original Ditko cover and they put it on the back of a different issue, like years down the line of a Spider-Man book that I can't remember right now. But uh, you can look it up. It's This is a definitely a much better cover than the Ditko one. And I think like when you reference the kind of fat Spider-Man kind of thing, it's like that's definitely the Ditko Spider-Man, I think you can see, versus this being the Jack Kirby. Yeah, it'd be cool to find out what that issue was and go get that one because it's probably a lot cheaper than what this oh, one yeah. is, obviously. But just to, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. just for the cool cool uh, notes on that one. Next cover, you had this one as well, Spider-Man oh, yeah, 50. Maybe. I mean, it's it's a simple cover. The, the red that shoots out... Um, you know, tells the story pretty good without having to say much. You know, yeah. you know it says a little bit there, Spider-Man no more, but, you know, knowing Spider-Man's always has this, you know, internal fight going on between many different, you know, enemies he has, you know, internal, external. You can just feel it on this page, in my opinion, just because I know Spider-Man's background so well, and it just shoots out for me on that one. Simple, um, but effective. Yeah, it's beautiful. Batman number 189, the Scarecrow. This is the first Silver Age Scarecrow, or the first time the Scarecrow appeared appeared in the Silver Age. Uh, it just has a that moon look. Reminds me of, uh, I think it's uh, 31, Tech 31, where he's the mountain, right? And they redid yeah, that, which uh, we'll show that later on. 
but just these backgrounds that were done. And this is going to be a Neil Adams cover, I would think. Uh, I think it may be. I don't think it is. Let me look it up. You can keep going, but let me look it up. But either way, it's just, you know, the background and the scarecrow itself, just an iconic Batman cover. Um, there are better ones, obviously, throughout the years of Batman, but this one just stands out because of its uh, the scarecrow and uh, and that moon in the background just kind of pops for me. So, yeah. So I just looked. It's it's Carmen Infantino uh, that did that cover, who's a very underrated artist. I feel like no one talks about him. He's got great Batman and Superman covers. Um, it sounds like he would be somebody who was in the new Batman movie, a, a part of Carmine Falcone's. Yeah, 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 group, yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah, he literally sounds like a mafia man, like Carmine Inf Carmen Infantino. Totally. <laughs> yep, might have been so. But uh, all right, so next one, number seven for me, Captain America 100. It's it's uh, Cap back in, in his own title here. Um, I forget which magazine this took over, which book this took over with number 100. Um, it's Tales it's of Suspense. Tales of Suspense. So yeah, number 100. Like the Thor book took over at 126, correct? For a different uh, I'm not, from Journey and Mystery. I don't remember exactly, Journey but 126 sounds about right. Yeah, so it's cool to cap just even 100. It was always the milestone books, and there was Captain with uh, the red, white, and blue group behind him, and he's just pushing forward. Just has to be a Ditko, or not Ditko, Kirby cover. Yeah. Um, so just can be used throughout, you know, on July 4th, uh, you know, any American holiday, you can just throw this, this book up and say, this is your all-American picture, Captain America, jumping through the screen, jumping through the book. So iconic in its own right yeah vision this one's been homage many times this this because it's been homage to me it's hard to realize this book is is not old but it's from the 60s right they redid this in the 90s with the avengers but these thoughts you know it's really hard to come up with original thoughts when there's thousands if not millions of comic book pages and drawings mm -hmm. and this is the start of that um you know just how vision looks as he's overseeing everybody and, and they redid it, you know, 30 years ago, but uh, that was a homage to a 30 year older. Uh, yeah. And that was upper, the first appearance of, that was the first appearance of the white vision in West coast. Right. Avengers. Yep. So cool. They used it for that, but it started here and it's, uh, it, you know, the red and, and the background cloud. It's, uh, it's a cool looking book. One I don't, you don't see often. Most of these you don't see often at all. That's what makes them great yeah. covers. This one you can find pretty affordable too. This one? It's the, the Vision one, yeah. The Amazing Spider-Man 41, Rhino. First appearance of Rhino as he breaks through the wall there. It's uh, the fourth wall break, early fourth wall break <laughs> for the Rhino. Uh, but this this book's well drawn. Um, you know, simple, but effective again. It's just a it's a great, great cover, great one to display on your wall. And it's, uh, it tells a lot of what's going to happen in the book. So, yeah. And my last one, I found this one. Oh, when I started collecting about a year ago. And unfortunately, the one I found, or fortunately, it was five bucks. But unfortunately, Submariner was drawn all green. <laughs> so, someone colored it in. Someone colored it in. But they stayed within the line. So I thought maybe he was supposed to be green. But for five bucks, I was walking away with that book. Um, but it's that dark cover, hard to find in high grade. Um, they did another one of these later on in Fantastic Four with the Hulk and the thing. Yeah. But these awesome. two Titans fighting on the Submariner book. It's just uh, 
this is a Bishema book, correct? Yeah. When I, yep. I recall, Bishema, yep. And uh, another, another great, uh, a great cover. Simple, effective though. It pops with the black on there. So, yeah. definitely pretty cool. The Fantastic Four, the Fantastic Four one twelve with the Hulk and thing is also John Bishema. Okay. Yeah. So that's my top ten. Um, again, opinions, but uh, these are all iconic in their own right. Some are simple. Some are a little more uh, involved, but they all they all make you stop and look. All right, sir. Do you want to go into your Bronze Age? Yeah, we're going to the Bronze Age again. So uh, starting in 1970 uh, and going into the early 80s. So for me, add stream here. Uh, and again, mine are kind of in order from 10 on down, we'll say. Uh, but number 10, this is Amazing Spider-Man 121, famously known as The Death of Gwen Stacy. Um, I think this is an underrated cover. I think it'll also make my underrated list. I just, I love yellow covers and i'm not alone they're right yellow you often find is one of people's most favorite cover colors um so when i see this i just think it's awesome i love the yellow i love all the little different um, headshots of everybody and that death of gwen stacy too is like you know that was like one of the first times they actually like killed somebody so that's a major major issue to to grab um next yeah exactly uh next one is uh Iron Man 54, just an awesome battle cover. Um, Submariner knocking out Iron Man. I just, I'm a, I think it's just a cool one. A couple other cool ones that are similar to this would be, um, I think it's Iron Man 150, where it's Iron Man and Doctor Doom going straight at each other. Um, and then there's another Submariner one where it's Submariner and Thor kind of going one on one, very similar fashion. So there, there's an are, Iron Man and Thor one, Thor one too that I, I oh found yeah, here. that's right, that's right, you're right. Yeah, yeah, these are all cool um from there oh yeah this marvel was... spotlight number five i love this cover uh, again when it comes to like first appearances what you want you'd love is when the character is on the cover and like especially when it's something awesome like this like you, you, this is exactly what you want in a first appearance right you got ghost rider front and center on his bike overriding the bad guys awesome that's what you want <laughs> Next one, uh, X-Men 101. Uh, this is the first appearance of Phoenix. Uh, this is one of my favorite X-Men covers. Um, and definitely a book that I definitely want to try and track down here in the next couple of years. Um, it's just a super cool cover. I, I think it's, it's, it's awesome. Um, and this is uh, Dave Cockrum, I believe. Yeah. yeah, he did a lot of that, that uh, Claremont run. Yeah, he started again. a Claremont run before again went over to John Byrne. And when we get the underrated covers, there's I, I'm probably going to mention more of the artists that are underrated. And Cockrum is one of those people that you yeah. know did a ton of covers. Simple, it, you know he it was effective covers. I mean it, they told the story. Yeah, and I got another Cockrum right. cover coming up. I think you guys would be able to guess what it is, but I'll, it'll be coming up here in just a sec. Come on, go to the next slide. What's going on here? Just too good of a cover. Won't go off. Hold on, let me. Seems like my. Got it. Oh, I'm there we go. It. There it is, right there. Okay. Giant size. So I just said there we have another Dave Coffin cover. Here it is. Giant size X Men 1. This is the first appearance of the new X Men team. Um, oops, now it went too far. I'll go back for it. Okay, cool. 
There you go. There it is. First appearance of the new X-Men team. First appearance of... Whoa. You there? I'm here. Oh. Okay, sometimes just my screen popped down. So first appearance of Colossus, first appearance of Nightcrawler, and first appearance of Storm. Um, I love this book. This is the X-Men team I grew up with. Um, and I, I didn't truly appreciate this one until I held my own copy, and I just sat there and looked at it and really realized how awesome it is. Um, so one of my favorites. Again, another Dave Cockrum cover. Um, all right, let's see the next one. Slide. Superman 233. Again, this is an homage to Superman 11 um, with him breaking the chains from the golden age that I showed. Um, yeah. This is Neil Adams taking it over and doing the same thing. And I think this is just awesome. This is probably my favorite Superman. Well, I should say Superman 1 is my favorite Superman cover. This one would be probably number two. Um, I think it's, it's pretty rad. Uh, one of my favorite books that I have. Yeah, I just this one always threw me off because it shows number one on there. And and if you read it, just like they did a lot of times, put a number one anywhere in a cover to make you want to yeah. buy it. And the one and the drawing made you made you want to buy it. So, yeah, my brother, uh, he's a big Superman fan and I've showed him this. and He's like, oh, is this number one of some kind of like, no, no, it just <laughs> says number one best selling. Like it's not not number one. Yep. <laughs> uh, right. Next one. There we go. Batman 251. Oh, I don't know why my slides keep jumping like they are. Batman 251, no significant first appearances here, but this is kind of the issue that is famously known for kind of re-bringing back the Joker into kind of the homicidal maniac mm -hmm. um, versus kind of like a campy villain. Um, so this is when things got serious. Again, Neil Adams again. And you'll find my list is dominated by Neil Adams. He's probably my favorite artist of this era. Um, this is another one I definitely, definitely want to track down here sometime soon. Next slide. All right. We talked about yellow covers. We talked about first appearances, what you want in covers. This is another great example. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 129, first appearance of the Punisher. Um, and he's just right there on the front of the cover with that great image of Spider-Man in his sights, the yellow cover. I love, love, love this cover. Um, one of my probably top 10 favorites. And this is my intended next book when I am hunting uh, to grab. And I know you have a JP and I'm jealous of that. Huh. All right. And then we talked about this one, right? The homage, right? So this is Neil Adams recreating Detective Comics 31 in Batman 227. Nothing too significant in this issue other than the, the cover is epic right this is just truly truly epic cover like they don't get much better than this i love this cover and does all the cover not, not not all of them but have batman and robin like they're listed on the left side and the top there i don't remember a lot of covers having that uh, uh, i don't know that's a good point i never really uh, noticed that yeah but that batman that. logo is the one i remember from the uh from the show right yeah that, uh, yeah and that's neil adams that, so. that that redid the logo like that so yeah i, I agree it's it's an awesome one all right, and then my top Bronze Age cover, and this is my all-time favorite um, cover, and it is, of course, the newest Hulk edition, one eighty-one, the newest edition to my collection. If you look on YouTube, there is an unboxing video that I did where I grabbed this one. Uh, it's just epic, right? I mean, how could you want more than Hulk and Wolverine, two of the care, all you know, two of the coolest 
characters there are just going right at it. I mean, like kind of. You're talking the coolest characters are Wendigo and the Hulk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, but just like Silver Surfer 4, right? Just a straight one-on-one battle cover. I mean, awesome. I love it. Again, similar to Yellow, it's got the orange cover, and it just like really stands out. And then I love how the Hulk is drawn. I even love this old-school Wolverine, like with the kind of the mask that he has on it. I think it looks great. Um, so yeah, I think this is this is awesome. Uh, yep, so I that would tops, agree. This tops out my bronze list, and again for me, this is my all-time favorite cover. So, JP, All let's right. move on to yours. Let me remove this guy. Let's see if I can get mine added. Yeah. So, yours up there, right? Uh, yeah. Move. There we go. All right. Out of the same books, you know, we, we, we must think alike for some reason. I don't know. Yeah, similar taste. <laughs> Great minds think alike. That's right. Giant size X-Men. I mean, for just the iconic nature of it, again, Cockrum was under underrated as an artist. He just, the detail was great. Nothing like Lee Fell, Jim Lee or McFarlane. But again, these guys were, those guys were a different time. How this is drawn was just, it was still caught your eye. You know, the, the people weren't crazily drawn and, you know, like some of this, some of the stuff you might see these days, it was simplistic, but told the story. So it's one of those ones that's ingrained in your head as iconic um, from you've been seeing it forever because this was that new team that we all grew up with in the 90s. Yeah. So Punisher, first appearance, my one of my top characters, favorite characters is the Punisher. Uh, he's way more relatable to me than Spider-Man or some others, but uh, Spider-Man has a great storyline. He's much more of a good guy, whereas the Punisher just uh, – <laughs> Just punish just punishes people and i just think this this shows this tells you who that character is going to be that skull was prominent on that page and he's just going to shoot the shoot spider-man no ands ifs or buts about it so operates cool in that in that gray area we'll say yep iron man this is 47 i found this uh talked about this on a previous podcast but was looking for some antique shops i was sent to one about you know half an hour away from the area i was in an area I never heard of. And I walked in, you know, and on the second floor, they had a ton of, you know, bronze age books. And this Iron Man one was one of them. It's the retelling of the, of the origin of Iron Man, but just him breaking the chains and seeing the previous Iron Man drawings in the background there with his silver uh, costume. I think just, this just pops. And then I found a uh, poster of this, a big what two foot by three foot poster of this at Ollie's, which is at discount, uh, store i don't know if you guys have one near you or or whatnot but we definitely don't it's a cool store it's like a walmart except it's got you know you know doesn't have any groceries in it but it had a big poster of it i had to buy so it's just cool book cool cover for me it pops so spider-man 238 this is like towards the end of that bronze age almost into the modern age but it just simplistic the hobgoblin you can't really see his face he's ripping apart spider-man and you got that what looks like purple rain, you know the early influence on uh, on uh, what's his name on Prince the purple rain in the background of this book. <laughs> uh, but it's it's just a cool book. Again, one I wanted as a kid, found it, had it for a time, and then was able to get it back. But uh, this is just a, a great cover with the Hobgoblin, which is an underused character in the movies, and hopefully we'll see more of them soon. 
Uh, you may be, you may want to look up. I want to be what Purple Rain may have come out. Would it have come out before this book? Not by much. Not by Not, much. Yeah. <laughs> this book was eighty three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's going to be somewhere in there. Uh, and again, I've talked about this one. In my opinion, I don't like John Romita Jr. But if I did like a book of his, it's this one. This is his masterpiece. Yep. Next one, you commented on this one earlier. Uh, Batman two fifty one, that homicidal Joker uh, on the Batman on the card. I mean, it's just a cool looking book. If you if you walk past it and had no knowledge of these characters, you'd still probably buy this book. So yeah. Um, but essentially, those are my top five. I went with five on the Golden Age or um, Bronze Age. Bronze Age. I would put Hulk one eighty one. I'm not sure why it's not showing up on here. Um, that'd be another one. Um, Star Wars number one. It's another great cover. Um, <clears throat> started off that um, was before the movie was coming out or right about the same time. So they had a different look to some of the characters. So, yeah, it's a kind of a cool note on the Star Wars one. So in this era, they did a couple price variants. So the like Star Wars regular number one is priced at 30 cents. Uh, and in a couple regions, they did a 35 cent variant. And they did this for a number of books. Like another uh, really well-known one is Iron Fist 14, which is the first appearance of Sabretooth. But of all the 35 cent price variants, the Star Wars one is like the crown jewel. So if you see Star Wars one and you see that 35 cents on it, no matter what grade it is, you grab it, right? If it's if it's something that's in your price, if it's something cheap you find, like that's what you want to look for. Now I have a Star Wars 35 cent price variant, but it is the reprint, which is the Whitman reprint. Ah, uh, so yeah, and I think made... I believe that Star Wars two, three, and four they also have 35 cent variants, but they're worth fractions of what number one is worth in the price variant. Yeah, I found this. I found it in a, an antique store, and they made Whitmans. And again, Batman, Superman had a lot of Whitmans made. There's not as many Marvel that I know of or have run into, except the Star Wars. And they did Whitman's of Star Wars, which no one really knows how rare the Whitman 35 cents are. And then they did at the same time a reprint of the Whitman 35 cents. So it has like a square white box, not not barcode. Oh, okay. Whitman. So it's not as rare, but I mean, it still was, it's still 40 some years old, just like the movie. So nice. 20 bucks, I'll pick it up all day long. Yeah. But the last one, I'm going to, two more I'll mention here. Um, you can put in the or one more actually Wolverine number one, the uh, Frank Miller cover. That's like limited series, yeah. Limited series. I mean, that in itself. I know there's like thirty thousand of them or twenty some thousand of them graded at a nine six or better. So it's it was plentiful of a book, but it's just a simple cover with you know our favorite character, one of our favorite characters. Yeah, and it's one yeah. of the issues that like I remember that cover from my childhood like it was tomorrow, like it was yesterday. Like it's just so awesome. Yep, I agree. So those are my ideas for, or my thoughts, my opinions on the top covers of the Bronze Age. So we go, what, to Copper Modern now? Yeah, so Copper, I mean, this is where it gets good. So Copper is like from where the Bronze ends off in the 80s um, up until like the early 90s. And then it kind of switches to Modern. Some people just consider all Modern. Um, so that's why we have our category as Copper to Modern. So I'll add on mine. And it's going to start off with one of... Uh, jp's favorites here i know <laughs> in joke jp actually doesn't like this cover that much uh, but i think it's great it's jim lee oh, yeah. x-men 11 uh, again that jim lee x-men run is probably the most prominent series of comics of my childhood and i just love this 11 
uh, with Wolverine with the claws out and then the team behind him. I think it's just dope. The cover would be much doper if they didn't have the rest of the team and just Wolverine in the, in uh, the center of this thing, in my opinion. I don't know. I just It's a cool cover. Jim Lee does a great job, very detailed. Uh, he's, in my opinion, the best artist there is. McFarlane is the best one of the best artists, the way he draws, it's just so like, just, uh, I don't know how to explain it, but his style is just so uh, different that makes his covers great and his drawings great. A lot of detail, but Jim Lee's probably the most effective in keeping people looking, you know, not yeah. outlandish. Like I mean, Lee's Jim Lee, you know. like, he kind of like defined this whole era of like, everyone's jacked and he just draws the details of each, you know, muscle and the shading and it's like all of it. It's just like his technical I'm not, I'm not a big, I don't know technical terms for artistry, but like his kind of technical prowess in this regard, I think is just unmatched. Yeah. He's more um, correct in the asymmetry or the uh, anatomically correct people, except the women. They're quite curvy. Yeah. Um, he does a good job of that, but McFarlane makes, he's a great artist of Spider-Man and Spawn because those are characters and Batman who are very somewhat are very agile. So the yeah. way he can draw the curves is great too. Lee Feld, he made some, we'll probably see these covers later on, but he made some great covers in the 90s. And I think he fell off uh, recently or, or in, the, in the late 2000s, just he didn't take his time on him. But yeah. uh, he had his own style. And uh, it was always fun to look at his early work. All right, next up. Yes. This is amazing Spider-Man 313 right here talking about Todd McFarlane. And this is a uh, one of my favorite Todd McFarlane covers. I mean, look how awesome the lizard looks in there. I mean, he just looks vicious, right? And he's ripping Spider-Man's mask off. I think this is this is a great one. Well, think about this as a simple cover. Two characters on it. Yeah. And think about the detail in the hands of Spider-Man and the fangs of... And again, that's why McFarlane's... And I think Jim Lee's a great overall artist because of his... He draws him correctly, you know, maybe Jack, but... The detail in McFarlane. Again, they both have detail, but it's just he they're just uh you couldn't go wrong with a book from either guy. I can I yeah. I couldn't pick one of the other one, but like some of their covers pop more than others, and this is definitely one of those ones. Yeah. Just the detail's crazy. Uh this is uh Captain America Annual Eight. This is a Mike Zek cover. Um, and just another again, you'll if you haven't noticed the theme, I love the battle, especially the one v one covers. <laughs> Um, so this is the first time that Wolverine and Captain America clash. Um, and so it's just an epic cover there uh, showcasing that. Yeah, I agree. Love this cover. Mike Zek. Yeah. Yep. Next up, again, this, along with X-Men 1, Spider-Man 1, uh, the two is the second most uh, prominent book of my childhood, right? We all had this. We had multiple um variants of it there's this the gold the silver we never had a platinum um unfortunately we also never had the gold the upc is it i think it is those are the two high dollar ones these are all ones you can find in like the 15 to 20 dollar range but still just an awesome awesome cover here by tom mcfarland and this image of spider-man has been reused on multiple covers with both spider-man and spawn and even batman i've seen homage in this cover Yep, I have many copies of that one. Yeah. Uh, and this one, again, is another... Uh, yeah, again, like I'll say, my list is dominated by Jim Lee and uh, Todd McFarlane. So here we got another Todd McFarlane. And this is my favorite Spider-Man cover by McFarlane. And this is, I would say, this is also my favorite Venom cover in general. Um, 
to be quite honest, I don't necessarily, I prefer this version of Venom much more than the big tongue drooling off the teeth, green drool kind of Venom that you see like the Eric, Eric Larson, Larson draws, draws and, and Mark Bagley draws. I like this kind of cleaner look of Venom. Uh, and then I just love this image of him just like on top of Spider-Man. You know, I think it's, it's, it's my favorite McFarlane Spider-Man cover. The cool thing about this cover is I have this one as well. Mine is pretty beat up, but I don't care. Low grade over note, not even having it. Um, so I got it, but it mine's a newsstand. And I, I always, I have a couple other in that run of 30 or 298 to 328. And seeing the Venom in that little box is the coolest, you know, in yeah. my opinion. I don't, newsstand might be more valuable, whatever. But I think having a little picture, because I got one with the Hobgoblin in a little picture. And I think that's just. That's awesome. Yeah. That just makes it even better. Yeah. Next up. It's like Mo and. This is another John Buscema cover. I think this may be the only Buscema cover, but I love this Wolverine 8. Um, and it, there is, again, this is an issue that's not overly significant other than the fact that this cover is well-loved and it's just great, right? It's Hulk in his kind of Mr. Fix-It look, uh, right, with the gray. Uh, and he's wearing the tux and then Wolverine in the patch gear with his tux side by side. And I just love the contrast of size between the two, especially when you think about Hulk 181. And the reason why Hulk and Wolverine clashed in 181 was because Hulk crossed into Canada to follow Wendigo, who's also like a big monster. And Wolverine was sent to stop him. And it's just when you see the size difference, and you think this little guy was sent to sent, stop this guy. Uh, it's just kind of funny to me. And so I love this cover contrasting the two. Yeah, it's simple again, but blue background yeah and the blue is tough like a lot of these colored ones like to get a high grade one of these is hard because like the spine ticks just show up like no other on them here we go that's and here we go J jp talk i guess maybe this is considered the end of the bronze age but i thought it was more copper to modern either way as i said i remember a few solo covers from my childhood and this is definitely one of them um it's just awesome, right? Wolverine with the claws out saying, come on here. Like, it's this is great. Yeah. And our, I know the artwork inside is Frank Miller, but I've also seen, is this Joe Rubenstein that did the cover? I'm, I'm not 100% sure on that. Yeah, Frank Miller has a different uh, take on some of his characters, so I don't, I don't yeah. know if it's Frank Miller or not, but... I think this is Joe Rubenstein on the cover, and Frank Miller did all the interior stuff. Uh, and then, yeah, X-Men 1, like I've been saying, the most iconic book of my childhood. Um, X-Men 1 has five covers. There's a four-piece cover, and then there is the uh, the fifth one is like the fold-out, which has all of them put together. Uh, of the four-piece, I think this is the best one, which is just a Magneto one-on-one. Um, I also am a big fan of, I'm a big fan of all of the covers. The other favorite one would be the Cyclops and Wolverine and Iceman one, but if I had to pick one, uh, it's this Magneto one. I was pretty stoked. I sent this to the Jim Lee signing, and it came back a 9-8. Um, so I'm really happy with that. But I just love – this is my favorite depiction of Magneto right here on the cover. Yeah, sweet. I agree. Next up. Yep. Wolverine 340, right? Again, this is Todd McFarlane. Wolverine, Hulk battle, right? These are – epic classic battles well and then you got the hulk reflection uh in the claws and i think this one's catching up like we talked about the other day uh to asm 300 and the most homage covers like this gets redone in various like 
There's a Batman holding up three different batarangs with a reflection. I mean, this gets done over and over, and like this is just it's just an awesome, awesome cover. Yep, simplistic but effective. Another yeah. one. And then my top cover from this age, no surprise again. And I should say too, I'm not a huge modern fan, hence why there's no real modern books on this list. So don't be surprised there. But my top favorite again is a McFarlane one. It's Batman 423. Uh, it's a cool story behind this. If you haven't heard, McFarlane was on a bit of a deadline. Come on, baby. Uh, and so he wanted to draw Batman with not as much detail with like his face and things like that. So he did this. And now this cape image is like forever used with Spawn and other characters when they have capes. Like this is like the epic cape issue. Another issue that's funny in the sense that there is no real significance to this book other than the cover is considered one of the best. Yeah, it's it's one of the, I have this book and I know there's plenty of Silver Age covers or even Golden Age we talked about that were great. But I would be happy if this is the only Batman book I had to display because it's just a it's effective Batman cover. It's Batman as we know him now, the Dark yeah. Knight. It's and then cool you got book. that orange. Um, and then if you have if you've never noticed, it's always funny that when you get pointed out that they did, that they didn't do it, but. Right next to his eyes and his cape, they didn't color in the moon. It's white right there. And then in the upper left, you'll see there's a piece of the moon they didn't color in, and it's orange. So it's just kind of funny. Yep. Todd McFarlane pointed that out. Now I always see it. <laughs> and McFarlane always had a very cool way to sign his name with like some type of scroll. Yeah, and, and that Batman was awesome. That's a different one than normal. His earlier work, he did, he didn't, he wasn't. As he got more and more popular, he kept that scroll. But I think early on, he he had a either wrote his name in a certain way or used that that Batman logo. Which I saw. Cool. So two things on this: I saw a video that Todd McFarlane posted at New York Comic Con, where the guy that bought the original art for this cover walked up to him to get him to sign it. And he had the whole big thing. It's like I can't even imagine what that thing would cost if it went up for sale today. I mean, definitely in the millions. Um, and just imagine this guy walking around New York with this just like big original art piece of this cover. It was like crazy to see. Uh, and then two, <laughs> a lot of you guys probably got books back from the Todd McFarlane signing that just happened at CGC. And I saw a video where someone requested that he sign this book in that bat-shaped scroll kind of thing that JP was just talking about across the bottom. And he did it. Like, that is awesome. Like, that is so cool. Can you imagine getting that back and it's signed like that? Like, I sent this book in to get signed. I would have never thought of doing that. And like, that's awesome that he like had the idea to do it. And then it's awesome that Tom McFarlane actually like complied with that request. Yeah. He's, he seems like an easygoing guy, right? Yeah. He seems, you see, uh, yeah. You see the, the post of him on C on uh, Instagram when he was at CGC and they acted like they locked him in a room and it would bring him out during the day. And he just had like yeah. grain bars to eat. And it was, it was yeah. pretty funny. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I'd like, like I, to, I think he probably gets more books sent in for his signings than Eddie. I mean, like they showed like the hallway and it was, I mean, thousands upon, I mean, he's there. He did two trips this time of like five days and he's just sitting there just signing books all day, every day. Like that's just wild to me. It's crazy. I make a hundred bucks each time. Yeah. So, all right. So I'll take these. Now my turn, I'll put my stream on here for my, um, this is copper and modern. As we wait for this to come up, I don't think there's these are in any particular order. Um, not sure why it's taking so long, but oh, it's popped up. I see the Wolverine and the Lobo there cover. You go. 
So I kind of did a few on the page here. I mean, this is a Jim Lee Wolverine cover. We, If you played video games back in the 90s, this was on uh, one of the games that I remember. It was in every uh, – or it was a yeah, Wolverine game, game, but this was the, the picture used on every advertisement you would see in a comic for this. And I never knew at the time which book it was, but when I started collecting again this year or last year, I saw this slab come up, and I think it was 50 bucks or something, and just to get it slabbed to me – it's a great cover. Uh, I tried to draw this many a times. The way the hands are coming forward and he's flying through the screen, it's just a, it's a great Jim Lee cover that I, I could draw and draw all day long. Uh, the next one is my boy Lobo, who may or may not appear in the James Gunn DCU. JP's still crying, um, guys. Anytime soon. I'm pissed about it, as you can tell. But th this is, again, a simple, just like the Wolverine cover, just like many of them, simple but effective. I mean, you get the idea of who Lobo is. I know he's different than how he first appeared in Omega Men Three, but this is the Lobo we all went to, we all grew to know in the in the '90s. Uh, just crazy looking bastard, essentially, um, red eyes and and just uh, just the beard, you know, just. And if he cool does looking. make if he does make it to the big screen, this is the Lobo I think we'll all expect to see. Yeah, it just looks like Jason Momoa. Just picture yeah. Jason Momoa with uh with those uh. Eye patches, we're going to call it. Yeah. Next one, iconic for me is Predator. I could never, I mean, I saw this a few places, but wasn't hard, was very hard to find as a collector back in the 90s and looked for this a lot this year or last year and finally got, a, got it. This one is the second print that I have. No different than the first print. I just wanted that picture. I've tried drawing this one a million times. It's, Somewhat, you know, not simple at all because you got the whole background of the skyline from this is from Predator 2, the uh, Danny Glover movie, but it's just a great looking cover. Um, you know, the detail and, and the work of the Predator itself, I just think is cool. And the, the background of that of the city. And then you got another on the right there. This is uh, Mark Textera who did this cover of Ghost Rider. This comes in different. Uh, this is like the second print because it's gold. It's another print that's, I think, in black or maybe blue. But simple. Is but it there one are, that glows in the dark too? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think there's. I'm not sure if there's one that glows in the dark, but probably. I mean, that was part of the '90s gimmick. Yeah. And this is just a simple looking drawing, and it's awesome. Why this book is not very valuable to me? It's just. It's just a. It's a awesome cover. And then the bottom right, just like we talked about with some of those McFarlane books, you got Ghost Rider down the corner there. Not sure who drew that because that can look almost like a. Uh, McFarlane drawing down there, but I don't think it is. But um, I got to find out who that is. But it's that's what's cool about this book. Just a simple picture. Get the idea of Ghost Rider. I mean, geez. I mean, if yeah. you were a kid in the '90s, wouldn't you want to collect Ghost Rider because of this kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. All right, a couple of little uh, risque covers here. <laughs> uh, got Emma Frost. Again, I love New Mutants '39. Um, I've just the look of her. You don't see her face. But just how she's drawn there, um, and then holding up, holding up the other new mutants on the side, and then uh, another photo of her, more in the 2000s photo, because the new mutants book that's from the from the late 80s, whereas the Emma Frost on the right is more of a modern book. Um, again, they a little more detail into her model looking, which which she was supposed to be more of a model, and not very much clothes. And uh, there's even an art germ that came out. Oh, I think it's from the Sins of Sinister uh, this year. That's a tremendous cover that I'm going to try to get. Um, 
in that case, they make these virgin variants and then they make the regular covers. And there's not a whole lot of difference except less writing on the non Yeah, no trade cover. dress. So I'm like, I'm not spending $150 on that book. I just want the picture on the front and it's, you know, effective for me. So I think I can get it for 10 bucks. So I might grab another Emma Frost for my collection here this year soon. So just a great cover, my opinion. And then you got, for some reason, I always drew Spider-Woman curvy, especially in the new Avengers run. Even go back to the old Spider-Woman comics of the 80s. She's, it just has a different look than She-Hulk and some of the other characters. And uh, I just thought this cover, and then there's another one I posted on, on my IG that was um, that was pretty good from the new Avengers run. Just made her curvy in a sense that, you know, almost made her a likable character. More to her than just, uh, you know, the wannabe woman version of Spider-Man. Because I didn't think she had a little substance, but as they draw her now and as one of the new Avengers, I think makes her a, a, a cool character. So I got to imagine she's going to make it onto the screen at some point soon, too. She, yeah, she definitely has to soon, especially for the, if they do the um, Secret Wars. Yeah. So speaking of uh, great tongues and uh, Eric Larson, this Venom book is one of my favorites. As much as I love how McFarlane drew uh, Venom, I think Larson took it up a notch, made him even grosser we'll put it that way that tongue yeah. and whatever green shit's coming out of them but that's this is a cool book in my opinion do you have um i i really like says 347 the 346 cover where it's venom's face and spider-man's reflection is in his eyes i gotta i don't have that one i i thought i had most of that run because i was collecting pretty pretty uh pretty good back then like and i was huge into into spider-man and, and grabbing all those books all the mcfarland books i could find but I, I don't have this one in my collection, but I think I know which one you're talking about <clears throat> because there's a 342 where Venom's jumping at the screen. And that was Larson's first drawing of Venom. And then he got more creative as time went on. Yeah. Um, and my last book, again, I love Hulk 340. That's a great cover. We talked about it earlier, but this Hulk 345, it, simple purple background, the trade dress, and he's pushing through it. But how much detail in this the green or the gray giant here it's crazy in my opinion so love it yeah mcfarland's got a lot of good hulk covers that you know we kind of don't forget about but he's got a lot of good ones yeah i knew of him and spider-man that run back then as a kid and when i found out he drew the hulk i went back and tried to get as many of those episodes or episodes comics as i could and i finally this just at the end of last year was able to get mcfarland's first uh incredible hulk cover work which I think was like Hulk 332, and I just picked it up. So I almost have most of his run between Hulk and Spider-Man. So Nice. So nice. those are mine. A uh, couple did other you, ones. You wanna... Yeah, did go you ahead. do an overrated or underrated at all? I have him written down here. So, yeah, we can we can go over that. I don't uh, have an underrated list or uh, pictures of them all. But, all right, again, a couple other ones. The name is Secret Wars 8. Can't oh, beat yeah. that cover. Secret Wars 1. Uh, contest of champions. There's many out here, and one that we don't have on here probably because you and I don't own it and don't have fifty thousand dollars to buy it, or want to use fifty thousand to buy it, is the T Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's not the greatest drawn cover, but it's so iconic in its sense that if you were a big fan, uh, the pizza loving turtles. I mean, uh, it's it's a great cover. So yeah, a most valuable book of the corporation. It's not even close. Yep. All right, so we go to underrated here. Yeah. 
pull yours off there. So start with mine. Some of, so some of these I've actually used, um, like this first one here, uh, but I still think they don't get their credit due, which is why they made the list here. And so underrated books for me, um, Daredevil 43. Again, as I talked about in the part one episode, uh, just the way with Cap's fist swinging through, getting bigger, it kind of gives you that three-dimensional look. Um, this is one of my all-time favorite Kirby covers. Um, and I just, I think it gets forgotten when people talk about the great Kirk, uh, Kirby covers. And so I say, I wanted to give it another shout out. Next up, Amazing Spider-Man 1. Again, this one, I think JP even talked about it. A lot of people don't like this cover. I think it's great. I love it. Like, and I would love to have this book one day. Um, I love this pose of Spider-Man spread out on this, whatever this glass thing is. I think it's cool. This is the first ever crossover of a comic with the Fantastic Four there. Um, and so I'm a big FF fan. And so this is also probably plays into why I love this book so much. Um, so I think this is an underrated cover. Yeah. He just looks like he's some type of device there. <laughs> uh, people hate this one, right? Avengers king size annual number 10. Um, yeah. Again, too the, much going on there. Too much. Yeah, going on. And, there. and this is the first appearance of rogue. Um, I think people hate, I, I think it's, it's, and you'll see it with another one coming up. People don't seem to like these like kind of square panel covers. Um, I think they're great. And this, and I'll have another example of one that I really love too. One thing that people forget, people don't acknowledge that this is, so a lot of people see this, this silhouette here with the question mark and say like, oh, that's kind of lame, but that's the rogue on the cover. Rogue is actually on the cover and she's right here with the green hood on above Mystique's hand. And a lot of people don't know that. So I think that's kind of an unknown fact about this book. Um, and it also is the first cover appearance of Mystique herself. Not her first appearance, but her first cover appearance. From there, another panel book, Spider-Man 4. And this is like kind of that classic Ditko kind of campiness to it. Um, I really dig the four, uh, the panels covers, like Daredevil 1 is another one I really like because it has some panels on it. Uh, so it just kind of really tells the story right there on the cover. So I think it's pretty cool. Um, and that's it for my underrated covers. JP, you got any underrated covers you want to list out? JP, you there? There you are. Oh. I want to grab them in, in person because I didn't do the, the list. But again, I mentioned this earlier. You know, in my opinion, Rob Liefeld, McFarlane, Jim Lee were my favorites. There's there's many that are not known as now. Um as you start to collect and grab these other older covers, you see them like, like Cockrum, um, Ditko, Bushema. There's a lot of people that you don't really hear about. Like we did, at least I did in the nineties. I didn't know who the other guys were, but as I go back and grab these classic covers, I realized, you know, Neil Adams, George Perez, those guys that did such great work. That's really somewhat unappreciated in my opinion from us in the nineties. Um, Adam Hughes is somebody who's new. Art Adams has done a ton of X-Men books. If you think he's he's done X-Men, the annual 14, which had, uh, what's his name on there? Um, Gambit, the first Gambit one. He's done the classic X-Men number number one, which I have a picture of. Wait, who did you who did you say did the Gambit? Art, Art Adams. No, no, Art Adams did annual 14, which is the controversial one. Right, talk about the, Gambit. the annual 14. Yeah, that's what I said. Oh, okay, annual I was like, yeah, Kubert, Kubert did the 266. But he did classic X-Men number one. Um, 
did a, many titles. And he's also known for more risque covers, which include The Scarlet Witch. Um, Art Germ did that Emma Frost one I mentioned earlier. But Art Adams has a bunch of them. He has a new, I think of the Mutants and the uh, uh, Scarlet Witch from the New Avengers run. That is risque in that regard. Um, another guy, Ron Lim. He did a lot. Him and George Perez did a lot of the Silver Surfer, Infinity yeah. Wars, Adam Warlock. I mean, great cover. I mean, detailed, you know, uh, anatomically correct, but in a different light than Jim Lee. Different kind of um, detail work. Jim Lee's was kind of angled and whatnot, whereas Ron Lim was more, more curve, you know, circular, I guess we'll call it. But one of my favorites as well back then, well-drawn. Most of his stuff that he did for the Silver Surfer, I try to copy back as a kid. Um, but he did. Yeah. I think he did a great job. As many of you know, Silver Surfer is my all-time favorite character, and it was the Ron Lim Silver Surfer that I grew up on. Um, and he really, I thought, specialized in just like the Silver Surfer is silver, and so he's very reflective. And I think Ron Lim really encompassed that aspect of it all. Yeah, I have a I have a book I posted. It was Superman versus Silver Surfer. I don't know if they actually they didn't really fight in that magazine, but they're both on the cover. And it, Ron Lim drew it. And you know, he's a guy that when he draw when he draws somebody, Superman, just like McFarlane, like it pops, right? It it it's just he has a cool way of 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 uh, his style. And um, there's some people like like Rob Liefeld that when he draws someone like Wolverine or Captain America, it really doesn't do it for me in regard to looking like the character I wanted to look like Ron Lim McFarland. I mean, even McFarland, he can draw Batman and, and Superman, but it's not as effective as if Jim Lee drew Superman, which you see from this book here. Let me just grab it. Superman 204. Yeah. And I have a big post of this book. I mean, Jim Lee just did a great job with this guy, with this character much better than Rob Liefeld would have done. But then again, an underrated cover because there's thousands, millions of these is X-Force number one. Mm -hmm. And that kind of like uh, is the prototypical example of the small head Rob Lee Phil drawings, right? Big body, but small head. So much work in this drawing. It's such, it pops so much in my opinion. He drew this so well. I mean, he was, he was in his prime with this type of a book. It just, there's yeah. so much going on there. And when you see the cover, you're like, I got to buy this. So it just, uh, he did great work in my opinion on that book. Um, but he doesn't not every not every artist can draw certain characters as well as others. And McFarlane, if your character has a cape, he does a great job. If your character's kind of muscular, Jim Lee or Ron Lim's probably a good job for you. Uh, someone you want to hire, even Neil Adams. If you want someone with a lot of pouches. Yeah, pouches and weapons, Rob yeah. Liefeld. Rob Liefeld's your guy. Yeah. But if you want someone to draw something that looks a little risque. An underrated cover that I heard of on a recent uh, Lords of the Long Box and had to pick it up was this Chevelle Noir number <laughs> one. So it's not much of a kid-friendly cover, but Dave Stevens drew some, some I'll call it anatomically correct, curvaceous uh, ladies back in the day, and his covers are well-known, but him as an artist is not as well-known unless you dig into the community. So I think his, his work is underrated to many. Those that know him probably have a good stack of his books, but he's not uh, hes not McFarlane or uh, Jim Lee. Yeah. And we'll close out here on, I have some overrated and uh, ugly, straight to straight ugly covers, and I'll classify which is which. And this first one is going to be 
fully an overrated one, and it's going to piss some people off. Well, let me pull it up here. And it is ASM 300. Again, this is an awesome cover. It's an awesome you. image image of Spider-Man. I just think like this is probably the most homage cover of all time. And I just think there are so much better ones, especially of McFarlane doing Spider-Man. Like I, I like 316 much better. Like to me, this is 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 good, but it's kind of pretty basic. I don't know. I I think it's great. It's I just don't. I just I just don't think like. Good. Yeah, no. I, and I still think it's great. It's just that I think the pedestal that this cover gets put on. There's just so many other ones that I think are better. That's my only point here. Uh, next one. This again in the overrated. Oh, people love this Jim Steranko X Men Fifty cover, all green. I'm just not a fan. I'm not a fan of this. Um, I think Jim Steranko is a great artist. I just don't love this one. How do you feel about this one? This is the first issue with the new X Men logo. Yes, I think Jim Steranko did, did Acid or something. So all his covers were crazy, <laughs> and this this has a lot going on, and it's well drawn. Um, it, it's one that if I saw it would definitely pop. And if it was affordable, I'd probably pick it up, but it's not one on my list to grab. Yeah. And you I agree with all this, right? If, if it's in a good price range, pick it up. It's got good high value. Definitely pops that X-Men logo is dope. But otherwise but, it's like people are like this one's so great. I'm like, ah, not to me. Well, like the one I showed earlier, the Chevelle Noir, like I got this on eBay for like 30 bucks, right? That's nothing. I don't know. That probably has a higher value if it's in high grade. Same with this X-Men, but if it's in a range of like, you know, money you would spend on a couple books anyway, then it's okay to buy. But I wouldn't buy this for a thousand dollars because no. it's an iconic cover. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So 20 bucks, I'd pick it up. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I have this example. This is X-Men 211. Um, this is going to go into, in my opinion, these are the ugly. And it's not this specific one. It's like there were these. 25 year anniversary covers they did there's a spider-man one there's a fantastic four one there's of several runs and they did this with like one centerpiece character and with all these border of all these other characters i'm not a fan of a single one of them i i put these in my I, ugly category i tell you what when i see these i grab them just because there are two very rare ones and you'll never guess which two rare ones there are unless you unless you did the research on them is it black spider-man Nope, it is the uh, Muppets oh. and the Gar Garfield. Oh, okay. Worth a couple hundred bucks if you find them. All right. So now I look, I look for them because I would have thrown them away as a kid because I don't care about Muppet. I mean, I, I thought they were funny, but I wouldn't collect a Muppet book or Garfield book. And if you find them with that border, they're worth money. Now you'd think the Black Spider Man one or uh, you know Daredevil even Fantastic Four because the the one is the thing in his little suit. Yeah, his trench coat and hat. Nope, but that Muppet Babies and the Care Bear or Muppet Babies and the uh, Garfield one are worth the most. There you go. See a little knowledge, dropping right. the knowledge. Here we go. I think the next two I told you I'm not a fan of John Romita Jr. and like this one and the next one you'll see are just like he had a little run on X Men and they're all in my opinion just hideous covers. <laughs> this being one, this is my least favorite depiction of Wolverine out there. Like. What is going on with his head? He's got like a tumor sticking out the back underneath his like. It's not a tumor. God, God is I just it is just so bad in my opinion. I don't even know how, as an editor, you see this cover and you're like, let's print it. Like this is just hideous. 
Similarly, I think my next one here, X-Men 185. Like, what is that? Like, a child looks like a child drew that. Like, I just, it's not good. Not your favorite. No, I'm not a fan of John Romita Jr. Outside of ASM 238. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those ones don't pop to me. This one, yeah, that one kind of yeah. looks like they did it in preschool. Yeah. Uh, this is one, this is back to Steve Ditko, Amazing Spider-Man. Again, this is a book you should want in your collection because it's a highly significant one being the first appearance of Gwen Stacy and um, Norman Osborn. But this cover is just awful. Just awful. Like, I'm not a fan of it whatsoever. Um, but that kind of rounds out my list of ugly and overrated and I think closes out our lists in general for uh, covers. JP, you got any final thoughts? Yeah, I was trying. I was trying to find it um, of my underrated. You already showed my most overrated, horrible cover, which is X Men Eleven. Um, <laughs> I mean, I found it recently, so I have it just because you said it was the greatest cover ever, so I had to buy it. Um, but another artist that I, I I never liked when he did the Marvel Presents books because towards the end, once the uh, Wolverine Weapon X came into Marvel Presents. Uh, it was well drawn for a while there, and then they brought in Sam Keith. And Sam Keith also drew Max, the Max from Image Comics, which I was trying oh, yeah. to find. Now, again, every artist has their way of doing it. Some people don't like Van Gogh, some people don't like, you know, name the artist from the 1800s or when Da Vinci, whoever you want to name. I am not in the industry, I don't draw, I, I like to draw, but I'm not a paid artist. Sam Keith had a very different way of doing things which set him apart from McFarlane and everybody else but I just was not a fan of his characters or how he drew them so I never liked the Sam Keith book but I know he has a cult following just like Rocky Horror Picture Show there's that cult following for I don't understand it but everyone's got their thing so that's the cool thing about it I don't like any of his covers especially the Marvel or presents covers where he did uh, Wolverine and uh and Ghost Rider but you know if you ever look at a Max cover, it's cool, simple, differently drawn, just a little different in my opinion. But, you know, I'm not you know a fan, another, but no more. Another um, artist we didn't mention um, that is super popular is Bill Sinkevich. Um, he doesn't fall into my books, though, because like he, he, a lot of his work is like on Moon Knight, and I'm not a Moon Knight fan. Um, but my favorite of his is the Transformers 1 cover. Um, with Optimus Prime on the cover. That's kind of a classic Bill Sienkiewicz cover. He's a very popular artist. Like, people love him. Um, so that's just one we didn't mention. No, and I, I want to mention one other thing is Punisher number one from the miniseries is probably... I'm surprised that wasn't on your list, yeah. I, you know, maybe in the haste of making this, you know, this the grind of all these podcasts we're doing, I didn't get a chance to, <laughs> to put it in there, but it, it definitely is one of my favorites. It's displayed back here with, uh, with another bunch of other punisher books it is a great cover tells a great story uh almost like that uh wolverine number what was it number 17 where he's jumping off the page i love those two together they just they just epitomize the 90s for me um so i wish i had a better picture of it but check out my instagram page i got plenty of pictures of the punisher on those <laughs> right on so and but, with yeah. that guys if you got favorite covers that we missed if you got covers you hate that we missed or different opinions we love to hear them. So comment, like, subscribe. We'd love to hear from you. Yep. Let us know. You can hit us on the IG uh, or put a comment here on uh, on YouTube. So 
Yeah. Appreciate everybody watching again. This was part two of episode nine. We did an hour and almost 40, almost 50 minutes on covers. I mean, yeah, it's pretty comprehensive work there from the two of us. Good job. Yeah. Good job, man. Fist bump. <laughs> you too. All right. We'll see everyone in the next show. Talk to you later. All right. Later, guys. Peace.